Well, many of us have uh, have mixed uh, feelings about accountability, and uh, you've heard messages on it. You've heard people talk about it, and the fact of the matter is, is that for many of us, it's a it's a thing that we're afraid to enter into. And yet, and yet, it's absolutely biblical, and it's absolutely essential for your spiritual growth, your spiritual development. Your, your spiritual health. And so here's the thing. When we talk about accountability, for some people it's a dirty word. Uh, the thought of having to give an account to anyone is offensive. It goes against uh, the North American mindset, which says, I don't have to give an account to anyone. No one's going to tell me what to do. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm my own boss. This this is a, an attitude that is absolutely... Uh, in opposition to what the scripture says. And God knows the way you and I are made. God knows what our tendencies are. God knows what we're like. And so he gives us clear instruction in his word about how to live. And so I'd like to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Second uh, Kings chapter 5. And I want to tell you a story about about a man who refused to be held accountable and what happened to him because of that. There was a, a certain man by the name of Naaman. He was a Syrian army commander, and he had gotten leprosy. He was a valuable, valuable servant to the king of Syria, and so valuable, in fact, that he writes a letter to the king of Israel because he's, One of his servants tells him about the Israeli prophet by the name of Elisha, who is especially blessed by God, and that whatever Elisha prays for, Elisha gets. And so you can see now that we're talking about uh, a story of, of international significance. The king of Syria is sending the king of Israel a letter requesting that the Prophet Elisha, pray for and heal Naaman. And so Naaman sets out to uh, to go to Israel to meet with Elisha and to ask Elisha to pray for him and to heal him. And uh, when he gets to Elisha, Elisha says, Naaman, this is what you need to do in order to be healed. Go and wash yourself in the Jordan River seven times. Get in the water, dip yourself under the water seven times. Now, Naaman hears that and he thinks, this is ridiculous. This is the the strangest and the weirdest thing I ever heard. And he's not going to do it. He's on his way. He's going to leave. And one of his smart servants says to to Naaman, Naaman, if Elisha had asked you to do something more spectacular, you would do it. But this thing seems ridiculous to you, so you don't want to do it. It offends your pride. So Naaman, thinking twice about it, decides, well, he'll try it. And he gets in the water, and he washes himself seven times in the Jordan River. And lo and behold, God heals him. He comes up out of the water, and he comes to Elisha. And he says to Elisha, this is, this is amazing. I want, to, I want to pay you for this. So let's take a look at the scripture verse here, starting at verse 15 of Second Kings chapter 5. And it says this. It says, Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, 
Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answers, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Now, if you read earlier in the chapter, folks, listen to this. Naaman brought along a lot of gifts to help secure his healing. In fact, he brought along gold and silver and ten sets of clothes. And I did some some research on that and discovered that the silver he brought was worth about $140,000. And the gold that he brought was worth about $1.5 million in today's prices. So we're talking about a lot of money and a great payoff for Elisha if Elisha wants, in fact, to, to accept it. But Elisha says, no, no, I will not accept a thing. I want you to stop for a moment now before we go any further, and I want you to stop and recognize the significance of what I've just shared with you. Naaman is prepared to pay for what God has done And Elisha is saying, no, you're not going to pay anything. Understand this, friends. God has raised up the nation of Israel to be a light to all the nations so that through Israel, God would be known to the whole world. You get that? This This was Israel's destiny. This was Israel's purpose, to be a light to the whole world so that people would come to know and get to know God. God was using Elisha as a testimony to the world about his free grace, his love, and his healing power. And now look at this. Look at the the next verse. This is fantastic. Look at this next verse. If you will not take the payment that I'm offering, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, For your servant, listen to this, will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. Now, do you see what happened here? Because Elisha is willing to be used by God to preach the gospel, because that's really what it was in those ancient days. It was a gospel. Elisha says, I'm never worshiping anybody else ever again. I'm except your God, Elisha. And it works. And you see that uh, Naaman's asking for some earth. And in, in ancient times, what, what would happen is, is, in their minds, the only way you could worship the God of Israel was by taking earth from Israel to wherever it is that you live, spreading it on the ground, standing on that earth, and worshiping God. So Naaman's very serious about worshiping the God of Israel. All seems well, right? Well, it is well. All is well up until this moment. You see, Elisha has a servant, and uh, his servant, Gehazi, has got another plan. And Gehazi is now being tempted. Look what it says here. And this is, by the way, something that every one of us here today will experience, has experienced, will continue to experience until we leave this earth. This is the struggle that everybody here today We'll go through. You're going to experience temptation. Before I go any further, can I just say this? Temptation is not a sin. Being tempted is not a sin. It's when you give in to that temptation that it becomes sin. So here's Gehazi. And he's, he's upset now because 
Because Elisha, his, his master, let Naaman get away with all that money without having given even just a nickel. And it says here, the Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. And so here's the thing. Naaman sets out. Elisha goes home. Gehazi waits till, Naaman, till Elisha's out of sight. Then he runs up after after Naaman and says, uh, uh, just a second here, just a second. And uh, Naaman says, is everything all right? Gehazi says, oh, yes, everything's all right. But my master sent me to say that two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing to help with the cost of putting them up. Here's the thing, my friends. When temptation comes, there's one of two things that can happen. Either you resist it or you give in to it. And the very first thing that will happen when you give in to temptation is you begin to lie, you begin to cheat, you begin to steal, you begin to do things that you know are wrong. It's always, it always happens. It's never just the temptation that you give in to, but it's other sins that go along with it. And this, my friends, is the beginning of your moral decline. That's, that's when you begin to begin this downward spiral. And this is why it is so absolutely essential that you put in place checks and balances to keep yourself from giving in to temptation. We call it what? Accountability. Would you say that with me? Accountability. So here's Gehazi operating completely on his own. He goes to Naaman, he says, you know, I'm not asking for all the wealth that you brought with me. Just give me, just give me a couple of, of pounds of silver and that'll be, that'll just do the trick. No. It's amazing, isn't it? When we give into temptation, how we begin to rationalize. I mean, after all, uh, Naaman brought with him 750 pounds of silver. I mean, how much would it hurt just for, just for, uh, uh maybe one or two talents of silver? It's not very much, is it? In fact, those two talents of silver, by today's value, is about $28,000 for these little prophets that came from Ephraim. And Naaman, not understanding and not knowing that Elisha's not behind this, says, sure, Gehazi, sure, we'll, we'll give you whatever you need. Take it. Now, I want you to recognize what happens, my friends. The minute you give into temptation, you begin to interfere with the purposes of God. When you give in to temptations, now you are beginning to compromise what God wants to do in your life and the lives of others. Here's the thing you need to recognize. Temptation never just is your problem. And when you give in to it, it's never just your problem. It affects others. How many know that today? It becomes a very serious thing. And so Gehazi takes the two bags of silver and he takes the two sets of clothing and he's on his way. Now, Gehazi sees this as a huge money-making opportunity. It kind of reminds a little bit of, of what we're seeing here in North America. How many know today that, that Jesus makes it clear that the preaching of the gospel is, uh, is to be done freely? How many understand that? Freely you have received, freely give. It's not something that you make money off of. And the Apostle Paul talks about these scoundrels who go around preaching the gospel for gain. It's a temptation, isn't it? And so Naaman 
who has brought $140,000 in silver and $1.5 million in gold and 10 sets of clothing, becomes a target for Gehazi in his lust and his greed. Now, you know, we look at Gehazi and we shake our heads and think, wow, I can't believe it, $28,000. What a rip-off artist. I can't believe that, that you, know, you know, you start, you know, shaking your finger and you're clucking your tongue at him. But how about you? <laughs> what temptations are overcoming you these days? How are you being affected by the temptations that you're facing? Gehazi has gold fever. His heart's filled with greed and lust. His temptation was greed. And I want to ask you the question this morning, what's your temptation? What is it that you face? And there's not a person sitting here today that doesn't face temptation in one form or another. Am I right? Every one of, hello? Every one of us faces temptation of one sort or another. Is that, am, I, am I right? Yeah, some of us, some of us are angels. <laughs> some of us are, are, are saints. We don't get tempted. But for the rest of us, this is for you. His temptation was greed. A recent survey of, uh, done by the Discipleship Journal, they, they surveyed their readers, and here's how they ranked the areas of greatest spiritual challenge to them. And this is something you'll be able to relate to. The very, the number one, the number one struggle that all Christians go through is actually in North America is materialism and greed. We, we want more. We're not happy with what we have. And that was Gehazi's situation. He wanted more. He wasn't happy with what he had. So he had to have more. And when he saw Naaman with all that wealth, he just thought, man, if I just take a little bit, it won't matter. That's temptation for you. Eh? Just take a little bit. And you begin to rationalize and figure out a way to make it work. You know what I'm talking about. The next challenge is pride and then self-centeredness and laziness, anger and bitterness and sexual lust, envy, gluttony and lying. There's a list of nine things there. These are things that everybody struggles with. Now, here's the thing, my friends. God knows what we're like and what we need to do to keep us honest. He knows that we need to have accountability. We need to have somebody who will hold us accountable so that we don't find ourselves off doing our own thing. Now, can I just tell you this? Gehazi was not with anybody when he went and carried out his sin. When he went to carry out and to give in to temptation, he was all alone. Did you notice that? That's what happens, my friends. When you're in a position... Where you're tempted, if you are alone, there's a good chance that you're going to find yourself giving into your temptation. And so you need to have in place a system of accountability where someone's going to call you on that thing that you are tempted on. Question is this how do you resist temptation? I want to remind you this morning of what I tell everybody all the time, I tell you this all the time, you have to read your Bible and you have to pray. But there's another thing. There's one other thing. Is you need to be accountable to somebody. You need to have somebody in your life that is going to ask you the hard questions. You need to have somebody in your life that's going to, going to ask you how it's going. Somebody who knows your temptation. Somebody who understands your struggles. Who can hold you accountable. Because here's what's at stake. Your spiritual life is at stake and the work of God is at stake. Your children, your marriage, your family 
is at stake if you don't have somebody to hold you accountable. And I want you to stop and think for a moment right now. Who is there in your life right now that can hold you accountable? Who can you ask to step into your life and ask you the hard questions? Do you have somebody like that? If you don't, then I can guarantee you that you will find yourself constantly fighting the same battle over and over again. You will constantly be finding yourself giving into temptation. You'll be on that terrible cycle. You know what it, you know what it is because you've experienced it. You feel temptation, you fight, you pray, you cry, and then you give in, and then you, you repent and you ask God and you confess and you cry and you weep. I'm so sorry, God. And then you get back and you do it again. The only way you're going to break that cycle is by having somebody that will hold you accountable. Somebody that that's going to ask you those hard questions and pray with you and help you through. And so there it is, a temptation. With Gehazi, after the temptation came the secret. That's always what happens when you give into sin, isn't it? When you give into temptation, then you, you go into hiding. This is what we read in, in uh, Genesis chapter 3. Remember Adam and Eve? They were told not to take of the fruit. Eve took the fruit, then Adam ate the fruit. And then after they'd eaten the fruit, they went and hid themselves. That's always what happens. You show me somebody who's hiding, and I'll show you somebody who's experiencing tremendous guilt and shame because of their sin. Genesis 3, 8, 9. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, where are you? The very first accountability partner was, was Adam and Eve. And rather than helping each other and rather than holding each other accountable, they became partners in sin and they found themselves hiding. You show me somebody who's secretive, who's hiding, who's not letting people know what they're, what's going on in their lives or in their hearts, and I'll show you somebody who has given into sin and temptation. Now, I want to ask you that question this morning. If you are one of those people who's hiding, one of those people who's keeping secrets, then let that be a warning to you that something's not right spiritually. Something's wrong in your heart. Something needs to be brought to God. Something needs to be confessed. And you need to find somebody with which you can pray and find relief. Look what it says there in 2 Kings 5, 24a. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things, the, 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 the silver that he got in the clothes, and he went and hid himself. He put them away in his house, tucked them away so nobody could see them. Nobody would know about it. Before Elisha could see him, he tucked it all away, and he walks up to Elisha as though nothing's wrong. It's easy for a while to keep up the appearance of everything being good and right and spiritual. It's easy to keep up for a while that, that, that you got it all together. But it's not long before it all comes tumbling down. My friends, God knows what, what we're like. And we have been secret keepers and hiders from the beginning of time. You know that, haven't you? I mean, you've experienced it in your own life. And this is what Adam and Eve tried to do. They tried to keep their secret from God. And you and I do the same thing. If that's happening in your life right now, then God is giving you a warning. In His grace and in His mercy, He's giving you a warning right now. Come out into the open. Go tell somebody that you trust, somebody that you respect. Go tell them what's in your heart. Chuck Colson, chairman of the board of the Prison Fellowship Ministries, a prolific author, a great man of God. 
in, I think he's, uh, I think he's must be into his 80s now. He was, uh, some of you will remember him as being part of Richard Nixon's cabinet, or at least on his staff. And um, Chuck Colson knew all about secrets. He knew all about hiding. And in fact, he was the first one in the Watergate scandal. Some of you, some of you remember that. The first one in the Watergate scandal to go to prison because of the secret crimes, the secret sins that he had, he'd carried out. When he became a Christian, he knew the very first thing that he had to do is he had to come out from hiding. He had to come out from the shadows. He had to come out from the place of secrecy. And he made, needed to make his life an open book in order for him to succeed spiritually and in every other way. And so this is what he did. He puts together a group of people that will hold him accountable. And they ask each other seven questions. And here are those seven questions. Can you put them up there? Every time they get together, and they do this on a regular basis, once a week, they ask each other these questions. Have you been with a woman anywhere this past week that might be seen as compromising? Secondly, have you uh, have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Have you exposed yourself to any sexually explicit material? Have you spent adequate time in Bible study and prayer? Have you given priority time to your family? Have you fulfilled the mandates of your calling? And number seven, have you just lied to me? Now, I want you to stop and consider for a moment that this is something that you might just need to adopt into your life. You need to get people around you who will ask you these hard questions. In fact, ask your husband, ask your wife to ask you those hard questions. Kids need to get their parents to ask them those hard questions. Because, my friends, listen to me. The minute you go into hide, the minute you go into secrecy, that's when you begin to lose your joy. That's the minute you begin to lose your happiness. It's the minute you begin to have a split personality. And you're no, no longer who God wants you to be. The third thing that takes place once you, once you give into temptation and you begin to, to hide and be secretive is you begin to lie. You become, to, you become a liar. Look what it says here in 2 Kings 5.25. Then he went... In and stood before his master Elisha. Where have you been, Gehazi? Elisha asked. Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. Now remember, this is, this is amazing. Just stop for a moment and think about this. Naaman, Naaman has just been healed by Elisha. Elisha is this great man of God who sees things that nobody sees and experiences God working in his life in, in ways that nobody else has ever seen or or experienced before, and Gehazi actually has the audacity to lie to him. I want to say this to you this morning. If you've come to the place in your life where you're lying, then you're in serious trouble. If you're not being truthful about where you're at and what you're doing, I'm going to tell you this this morning. God's giving you an opportunity right now to give up the charade and get your life in order. God's giving you an opportunity right here and right now to confess your sin to God and to ask, to invite somebody into your life to help you live the life that he wants you to live. God loves you today. And he's given you and me clear instructions about what to do. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is the practice of the Christian life. I'm going to tell you, with Christianity, you can't just sort of 
pick what parts you like and throw away the parts you don't like. And it, for so many people, their Christian life is all chopped up. It's a mishmash. It doesn't make sense. But the life that is, that is consistent, the Christian life that is powerful and is, is anointed, the, the Christian life that God can use is the one that does not function from a position of lies and secrets and sin, but the life that humbly confesses sin and humbly finds healing and forgiveness. And so Gehazi has asked the question, where have you been? Where have you been, Gehazi? And that question could be asked of you today. Where have you been? What have you done? Where have you been? Gehazi has has been given a chance to confess his sin. I want you to know today, God is giving you and me opportunity to confess our sin and to get our hearts cleaned up, to give up the charade, to give up the lie, to give up the secrecy, the hiding, to give up the sin. But Gehazi refused to tell the truth. He refused to be accountable. And here is the punishment that he had to experience. And it sounds, it sounds desperate. It sounds terrible. But listen to this. Elisha said to Gehazi in verse 26, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or accept clothes, olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, or men servants or maidservants? Is this the time when God has been glorified? Is this the time to lie, cheat, and steal? And here's the pronouncement. Elisha says to Gehazi, Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence, and he was leprous as white as snow. You say, well, why on earth would God bring such horrible judgment on this man? I'm going to tell you why. And this, this is God, by his spirit, is giving warning to you today. Gehazi's sin undermined the testimony about God. Naaman was going away healed, free of charge. And Gehazi reversed that through his lust for money, through his greed. I'm going to tell you something today. Don't wait till the judgment comes upon you. Because I'm going to tell you this. The Bible says judgment will come upon those who continue to live a lie. You risk losing everything when you live without accountability. And so the question this morning is this. Is your life measuring up? Will people look at your life and say, here is the real thing. Here is authentic Christianity. You know what Gandhi said? Great, great liberator of India. A man revered even to this day. He said, I would have become a Christian except that I've seen how Christians live and behave and I want none of it. What will people say about you? You go around telling people you're a follower of Christ, but your life just doesn't add up. I want to tell you that there is a way that you can stay on the straight and narrow, and that's to find somebody who will hold you accountable. That's exactly, my friends, what Elisha tried to do. He tried to hold Gehazi accountable. He, he gave Gehazi a chance 
to confess his sin and turn from his evil ways. But Gehazi refused, refused, refused to be held accountable. You read your Bible, fantastic. You pray, fantastic. But there's one thing you're missing. It's that accountability partner. We all make excuses for not being held accountable to anyone. The main thing is, is just we can't be bothered. I want to show a video clip right now. And then we'll close in a word of prayer.